think this could use like a little spice. I mean, you can't go wrong, especially when you got the um, hot jardinera. Ooh, you take some of this. Oh, pick it up. Let's get this spicy. Hot jardinera from, of course, JP Graziano. Oh, that's real good. Yeah, I mean, their stuff is awesome. Love it. And I gotta tell you, I got a tip from the man himself, from Jim Graziano. He said, if you really want it to like be intense flavor, take the seasoning and you put it in some melted butter and it opens it up. Totally different. That sounds perfect. I put jardinera on like everything. Oh yeah, I love it. I put it on chicken, I put it on pasta, I put it with sausage, like I do it everything. So the mild, the hot, you can't really go wrong with their JP Graziano jardinera. Check them out in Chicago. And your popcorn is a new one for me, though. I mean, this is like this is an eye-opening. I mean, you can't you can't beat it. It's, it's awesome. God bless JP Graziano for now finding a way for me to put jardinera on my popcorn. I mean, you could have put it on your popcorn before, but you kind of have a little It'd bit of a little, an oily, little messy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> popcorn can already be messy. Put it in my cereal, oatmeal. Oh yeah. yeah. Whatever. World of possibilities. Today's movie also opened up. Uh, a new world for me the first time I saw it. And that movie is... The Lord Jehovah has given unto you these 15... <laughs> 10, 10 commandments! From the glory that was Rome... Uh, ...to the dark evils of the Spanish Inquisition. For now begins... The Inquisition! I think this movie is educational. All right, so I saw this when I was like 12, the first time. I didn't really know what the Spanish Inquisition was. The Inquisition, let's begin. The Inquisition, look out, Sam. We have a mission to convert the Jews. Learned about it from there, then went to the internet and then looked it up some more. I uh, also thought it was hilarious. The scene where Moses drops five of the commandments made me laugh hysterically as a, as a child. I just thought this was a whole barrel of laughs. It's silly. It's, uh, it's nonsensical, but it's smart at the same time. So then color me surprised when I did like a five minutes of research for our conversation here to find, find nuggets when I found out that Roger Ebert called this movie at the time a rambling, undisciplined, sometimes embarrassing failure from one of the most gifted comic filmmakers around. What went wrong? Brooks never seems to have a clear idea of the rationale of his movie, so there's no confident narrative impetus to carry it along. I mean, I actually wrote down here, I said, of course Roger Ebert hated this movie. Like, Roger Ebert hated everything that was good in the world. Yeah, especially things that were funny. Yeah, and he hated this movie. Nah, look. Is it Mel Brooks's best movie? No. no, it's not his best movie, but it's it's a good movie. And um, it's funny you say about educational because in high school, so I was a senior in high school, and I was taking, I don't know, American history or something like that. I forget what it was. But the teacher, as we got towards the end of the year, the teacher just kind of started packing it in. He always used to also let us watch movies. Uh, movies that had nothing to do with anything. So we spent a week watching uh, Waiting for Guffman. What that had to do with American history, I'm not really sure. Was this guy a good teacher? Oh, fantastic teacher. Because I, I noticed uh, now that I am of age where I have peers that are high school teachers, I can't remember if I said this on this podcast once before, it's all blur. But I had a friend 
who was like, uh, we were out drinking one night, and she said, yeah, tomorrow, or, th or this morning, I think. She's like, I came in hungover. I just put on a, on a, on a movie. So now I'm paranoid about all the movies <laughs> I watched in high school. I mean, I think that he did, he did, he actually, like, incorporated different assignments with it, too. So, That's like, good. not, like, intense assignments, like, writing, like, a whole dissertation or anything on whatever movie we were watching, but tried to incorporate whatever it was that we were watching on whatever it was that we were talking about at that point. But we got to the end of the year, and he was just kind of like, fuck it, history of the world part one. We're watching history, it. History, at least. And, I mean, not American history. Right. Well, but yeah, regular dated, history, yeah. just like other history. So I, I will never forget that. And uh, it helped me just kind of coast at the end of the year, because as seniors are wont to do. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the memories that I have of this movie. Other than, of course, growing up and watching all of the Mel Brooks movies. Um, and loving every one of them. Yeah, I mean, it's not his best. It's not his second best. It's actually probably if you have to rank his movies, it's one of the probably the weaker ones or just the less like less less fanfare about it. But it's the same tone as all the other movies. Oh yeah, it's it's satirical. It's silly. That the the humor is the same. So if you like his other movies, I don't know why you wouldn't love this movie too. No, I, and there's so many reasons to love this movie, right? Because um, especially as I get older and am like heavy into the dad jokes, this movie's got great dad jokes um, and like other types of comedy that fit in with that. Um, very specifically, the dad joke that I write about uh, starts right at the beginning of the movie, and it's the dad joke of the masturbating caveman, yeah. right? <laughs> and because it's Homo erectus, yeah. so. Uh, you know, it, that, that's the type of humor that you get, and he, like, hits you right with it at the beginning of the movie. Um, and he, he just does a fantastic job of creating just this, like, you feel comfortable when watching these movies. Yeah. And, like, this one in particular is not as controversial, I guess, as you might say, like, with, like, Blazing Saddles, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, of course you're going to get, like... He said he got uh, a bunch of rabbis like wrote into him, and they were upset about the portrayal of Moses and and the the Jews and the Jews in space thing at the end of the movie. That's so and, like, funny though. And he knew he was gonna he knew that that was gonna happen. Yeah. And uh, but like I don't think you get this like outrage. Uh, and not not that Blazing Saddles at the time necessarily got a lot of outrage, but like now it's retroactive. Yeah. Like it's a lot of retroactive outrage at Blazing Saddles and. Uh, in fact, I actually saw a, a very comical video recently of uh, if Blazing Saddles was made today. And it's, just, it's, and it's the yeah, beginning. It's, it's yeah. the like lead-in of Blazing Saddles, and then it cuts, <laughs> and then it's just like the end. <laughs> There's a great Mad TV sketch 20 years ago, because Mad TV's been off there for 20 years, of The Sopranos on basic cable. And it's, it's just bleep, bleep, bleep. Yeah, no shing genius insights today. Who are you, from Ray Charles? Let me tell you something. I didn't have anger at her, all right? I hated that bitch. <laughs> and then at the end, it's like every night from like 8 o'clock to 8.14 or something. <laughs> I love it. it. Like, it's the hard cuts, too. Yeah. Like, right as they're about to swear. It's fantastic. But so, you know, just to start off about this, this movie had major competition when it came out. Um, what year is this? 1981. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So this movie came out June 12th, 1981. And the, its competition that weekend were Raiders of the Lost Ark Good movie. and Clash of the Titans. Good movie. So, like, that's your competition in that first week. The next week, 
were the two movies that were the following week were Superman 2 and Cannonball Run. <gasps> so like it's surrounded by like good quality movies. Yeah. At least at, at like at the time, I'm not saying that like Cannonball Run is, you know, best picture. Big box office movies. It's like stuff that's yeah, going to get like, people out. Yes, exactly. And this is the silliest one of, uh, by far of yeah. that group of movies. And I'm sure that people saw, oh, it's Mel Brooks. He's got this movie. Got to go see it, right? Going up against these like big blockbuster movies. And so it didn't do like fantastic in terms of, you know, like box office uh, acclaim. But the thing with Mel Brooks movies is that they have a life that leads, you know, now at this point, 40 years later, mm -hmm. right? Like, I could go home, put in the DVD, and watch it, and yeah, like feel just as comfortable watching the movie today as I did when I saw it in the early 90s. And super approachable too, where, I don't think this is his strategy, but it's just something that came from the movie, is you made it about satire of world history and all these different periods of history. You can watch this at any time in like existence. Like yeah. this will be, still be funny to me when I, like 30 years from now. There's nothing dated really. I mean, the humor maybe, some people might think it's dumb if you watch it for the first time now, but it's a really brilliant thing that you don't see a movie like this now where it's just like, I'm just gonna make a movie that's basically a history book yeah. and I'm gonna mock every step of the way. Cause like it, it, you're already, you already feel like some relatedness to the movie cause you know all like the, you know, biblical times and um, like, you just know history to a degree. And now all of a sudden you're drawn in, you like feel a connection to it. it. You don't have to know anything about the plot. It's just a series of jokes. Yeah, because it's, I mean, there is no plot, right? Like, no, that's what Rod Ebert said too. It, it's, it's vignettes, but like, that doesn't make it bad. Like, Roger no. Ebert made it out to be like, it's terrible because it's that. But like, when it's vignettes like that, then it's like these little stories that kind of have a tie together, and right at the end they kind of tie in with uh, the French Revolution, right, as he's about to get beheaded. Uh, through the guillot the guillotine, like it gets tied into the to the Romans with miracle the horse, yeah. whatever. So like yes, there is that tie-in with that there, and you know there are elements which are weaker than others, right? Like Rome is obviously like probably the the like strongest storyline of all of them, right? And like. You kind of lose it a little bit with, like, even though the Spanish Inquisition is pretty funny. Yeah. You lose it with that. Like, there's a little bit in there, but, like, the song is still hilarious. And the, the whole thing with oh, it's Takamata. Stuck, yeah, it like, stuck with me for 15 years. And the dad joke there, right? You can't yeah. talk him out of anything. <laughs> but, but, like, you don't need it to be this cohesive story because of the just, like, little elements, right? And, like, yeah. again, if you're, a, if you're a high school teacher, you should be showing this in your class. Like, especially if you are a Latin teacher, right? Like, you need to just block off the, the Roman section and be like, here, there you go. We're going to watch this Roman section of this movie. And just because then you're the cool teacher who showed History of the World Part 1. Well, like I said, it, it legitimately educational. This told me what the Spanish Inquisition was when I was, like, in junior high. There you go. I didn't learn about it yet. Yeah. This, this movie taught me more than uh, public school. That's... I don't remember anything from my high school history. That's that's a little dangerous, I would say, oh, probably. That's forever ago. Did you know... So, I don't know if they did this for you, but uh, in my U.S. history class, and it was the AP version, because... Because uh, you're smart. Because you're, like, all big, yeah, fancy guy. Like, I just wanted to throw that out there. I wasn't going to bring it up, but since we were on, on the topic. 
we talked, we did like every, my, actually my AP history teacher was fantastic, great guy, um, really smart, whatever. Uh, and he was a great teacher. We went through every decade of U, uh, US history and like got in depth, had great discussions. And then we hit like, we're like running out of time in the semester. So we had to like speed through like Vietnam. Speed through like all these like more World War II. Like we had to like get through it all really fast. And we got to the 80s and like the 80s happened. Like it was like a day, like a half a class period. And we just like stopped. It was just like, it, we I'm like surprised ran out we of time. got to that point. Cause like I, the way I remember history classes was like we took our time like through all of the like elements of yeah, history through like the Renaissance and like you know, the dark ages and all of that leading up. And then like at the end of the year, we had to like rush, if, if at all, to get through World War One and Two. Oh, and yeah, then, like, World War Two. If we, we got through World War Two, we were lucky by the end of the year. And then like, that was it, like Vietnam. Oh, Vietnam uh, like, was uh... the, the, the Korean The Korean War didn't happen. The Korean War didn't happen. Blip. Vietnam yeah. didn't happen as far as like my education was concerned until I got to probably college. I remember we, 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 did, we spent so much time on everything and the last thing that we spent like a ton of time on was World War I and the League of Nations and Woodrow Wilson and then the depression. And then we get to World War II and we're just kind of like, yeah, that happened, you guys know about that. It's like Vietnam, you know, Agent Orange, you know, we, people died and then uh, the 80s were a decade and then you're off to college. I mean, yeah, I, I, we never, the 80s didn't happen. I mean, other than me knowing that the 80s happened because I lived in them, the 80s didn't happen as far as my school was concerned. Yeah, even though there's like interesting stuff to, to go over. It yeah. was like we just ran out of time. I got, there's, there is a treasure trove of the like kind of intellectual jokes that happen in this movie. But two of them in particular always stick with me. So in the Roman portion of it, there are two jokes uh, that really stick with me. The first one is where the, the, he's not the court jester, but like he's walking behind the Roman hero. And he's saying, remember, thou art mortal. Remember, thou art mortal. Remember, thou art mortal. Oh, blow it out your ass. Oh. That is amazingly like not only accurate, but like it's one of those things that I remember because I, I was the kid who rather than taking Spanish, which would have actually been helpful in my life, I took Latin. Oh, I took, I, I did the same mistake. I took French. So, well, but I mean, but even, there's a difference, right? Like French, you could talk with French people, like theoretically, yeah, broken, right? But like Spanish would have been way more useful. But, but you could still talk with somebody. It's, it's a language that's used. Latin is a fucking dead language, okay? Yeah, they use it in, in, in medical textbooks. And like, I can read Roman numerals, whoop-de-doo, because I can read Roman numerals, but like, nothing else. Like, it's the base of all languages, so it kind of helps a little bit, but like, what would have been helpful? I don't know, maybe learning Spanish, yeah. being in the city of Chicago with all of the people who speak Spanish. No, let, let's, take, let's take Latin, because that's a smart thing to do. But I did get to do uh, the, the one benefit of taking Latin classes. There was a lot of like mythology and uh, that type of stuff, which is yeah. pretty cool. Schools are always behind. Like that wasn't even offered when I was in school because it's it shouldn't have been offered when you were. I mean, it's still offered today. I think. Really? Yeah, probably. That's. I think like at my high school they still offer it. But that doesn't make a lot of sense. 
So like, and they've got like the classics. They offer Greek, ancient Greek too, ancient Greek and Latin. And I know, I know that they still offer it because they have a thing. I didn't get to do it, but that's called the classics tour. And like, in the summer, the people who take these classes get to go to like Italy and Greece oh, for okay, like that's a month. Actually, kind of. So like, that's cool. That makes sense. Yeah. But anyway, so there was a whole thing that happened with Roman like warriors. Uh, when like they would come back being the like conquered conquering hero and you know they'd be celebrated when they'd come back into Rome, there was always one person whose job was to walk behind the hero and tell them, remember, you're mortal. They would say it in Latin, of course, and not saying it in English, but they would say like, remember, you're mortal. Remember, you're mortal. Uh, and so like that's kind of funny. Like that's a yeah. kind of cool thing that like if you if you know about it, you're like oh. That's pretty cool. And also breaking out of that period's vernacular, saying blow it out of your ass. Oh, yeah. Is instantly funny. And that's something that he does brilliantly. We talked about at the end of Blazing Saddles. So I, I think maybe the funniest thing in that whole movie is the end when they break the fourth wall. And oh, it's yeah. like present day and there's a car and stuff. Yeah. When with these period pieces that are that are satires, like breaking out of the that vernacular and like adding something that's like current day language is like an instant laugh yeah, line to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, the other joke. The other joke is, so Gregory Hines uh, is, you know, he's playing this slave who kind of escapes, but he's walking up, he's walking down the street and he sees this guy and he gives him a high five and he goes, Hey, motherfucker. Josephus! Hey, motherfucker. Do you know who that character is? No. It's Oedipus. Oh, 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 yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm so, the actor. Yeah. No, no, yeah. yeah. The character, so he's yeah. blind, yeah. and he's saying, hey, yes. motherfucker. No, it's hilarious. And so it's like, it's funny because it's like, it's he's saying, like, hey, motherfucker, right? Yeah. But then it's funny because it's, he's a motherfucker. motherfucker. Yeah, quite And literally. he's blind because he's a motherfucker. And yeah. it's like, that is a genius That's joke. actually one of the funniest, yeah, it's one of the funniest things in the whole movie. Yeah. So you kind of have to, you have to know, you'd be kind of educated to get some of that stuff. But yeah. it's not like a high, it's not like an unattainable level. Of, no, but you don't even have, like, does it help to know those things? Yes, it helps. Do you have to know it to watch it? No. Like, there are, the, it's the layers of jokes, right? You have the base layer of the, like, sophomoric comedy mm -hmm. that, it makes sense for everybody. And it's kind of like we talk about with, with um, you know, like whether a, uh, like a Disney or a Pixar movie does, like there are jokes in there for the parents right. that the kids totally don't get. <sighs> right. But then when you're a parent, you're like, that's actually really hilarious. Right, yeah. It's kind of the same thing. And he does this because I think he knows that his audience is of a variety of like education levels yeah and he's appealing to everybody at the same time like there's a, the sophomore stuff that is for everybody but i don't even think there are levels that people are just going to totally miss like that oedipus joke i think a majority of people watching it probably understand maybe, or maybe on rewatch i think i don't know um I, I would guess that like when you say it to somebody and you're like hey that's oedipus yeah. they go oh yeah it's Oedipus because he's blind and Gregory Hines just called him a motherfucker. Right. Like, I get it now. But it's also one of those things, like, if you're not thinking about it, like, it, okay, he's like, hey, motherfucker. Yeah, it's silly. Like, it's silly, yeah, yeah. But even, like, 
yeah, so like the more shallow stuff that anyone can get, like his, and I think this is something that suddenly is funny to me in hindsight, his character that's a stand-up philosopher. I coalesce the vapor of human experience into a viable and logical comprehension. Oh, a bullshit artist. Yeah, like a stand-up comic, but as a philosopher, it's funny to me now in retrospect because you have all these comedians that are pretentious now and saying that they're modern-day philosophers. So going back and watching that scene is like really, really funny to me. But that's just so silly, just because it's these guys doing stand-up comedy in thousands of years. Like it's just like you, don't, you it requires no level of understanding other than you know that history happened. You don't even need to know anything about history. It's just funny because yeah. it's out of place situation. Um, but that, even that, like, that that kills me too. Yeah, the whole scene. Yeah, I, I mean, look, they do a fantastic job of this, and you know you do a good job when you anger the like parent groups. So there's a website out there where like you can put in any movie, and it's this parent group who's like, it, they have naughty words. There's this, that, and the other. like you shouldn't watch it. Like, I was reading their review of this movie, and they're like, and Jesus appears, but they actually treat him pretty respectfully. Unlike Moses, sorry, so like, oh no, unlike Moses, oy vey, is what the like, the like, bit was on this website. Because apparently, you don't get that it's humor, yeah. and like, it's, it's satire, and it's meant to be like, yeah, I get it, they're, you know, you don't want your kids exposed to naughty language, but your kids are exposed to naughty language when they're at school. Yeah, that's, the first time I heard fuck, I think, was in fourth grade yeah. at school or something. Like, yeah. you don't need to worry about Mel Brooks. It's like, that's probably actually the best place to learn it because then you can sit there with your kid, he's too. He's, like, teaching them something. Yeah. And you can say to your kid, like, hey, this is the story of Oedipus. Here's the story of Oedipus. Here's the, like, here's the moral of the story of Oedipus. And you're, like, actually providing information, like, useful information. And then don't you want to you wanna be with your kid and watch the movie and then say, like, hey, that's a word you shouldn't say? Like, I think these parents that do this are just shitty parents. Like, Mel Brooks... They're not doing them any service. That What they're doing is, is they're setting themselves up so that when they get to, like, a little bit later in life, right, they're just going to go, like, full bore, right? Like yeah, it's, exactly. It's if, like you're, the kids if you're in, sheltered and then you break out later. It's like the kids in high school, right, whose parents were like, don't you dare go to any parties. Yeah. Don't you dare, no alcohol should touch your lips. Don't you smoke. Don't you, do, don't you dare. And then what do the kids do? They go out, they get somebody to buy them cigarettes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This was me in, in high school. Like, that was a thing that was a big thing at that time. Now, I don't know if kids are smoking as nah, much anymore. Really. It was, you find somebody to buy you cigarettes or buy you alcohol or whatever. You go to a party and you drink and you do these things because your parents are telling you not to do it. Or when you go off to college or you become an adult, then you just let loose because you, oh, yeah. you couldn't do all these things. Oh yeah, the kids who go to college in the first week basically end up flaming out of college because all they're doing is drinking and smoking and whatever. Yeah, I mean, just Mel Brooks is not supposed to parent your kid. You parent your kid, these things exist. You have to teach them why language is good or bad or whatever. It's, I mean, this is why in South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, we went to war with Canada. The last big point I want to say about this movie is the, the title in and of itself is yes. a joke. Yeah. It's History of the World Part 1 with no intention of there being a sequel. Uh, but, but I think we both know but there is one coming. Unfortunately. Yeah. I, and I am, I mean, you know how I feel about sequels. Um, 
And sure enough, they're in development. Yeah, they're with, in uh, active Hulu, development. Hulu, I think is the so it's Mel Brooks, Nick Kroll, Wanda Sykes, and Ike Barinholtz. Not exactly like low-brow comedians. No, that's the that would there. like you have talented people that are writing this script, but man. But here's the thing. So it's frustrating for me to hear that because I just love the idea of calling this movie part one and there's no part two. Yeah. And like that's a joke. But I think this is one scenario where you, because it's just parodies of diff, like different vignettes of history, you could easily make a sequel and it doesn't hurt the first one and the second one could just be funny. It's well, not it's, like you're building off character development. And them. the way that they're doing it actually gives me a little bit of hope because they're doing it as an eight-part series. So yes. it's not a movie. So it's like which makes different Which parts. makes sense because this could have been a what four five, How, part five, five six part series yeah so that gives me like a little bit of hope on it but man i mean hollywood has just i'm snake bit because yeah, all I of guess. my favorite movies but mel brooks is involved too but that doesn't i mean like yes that's great but like eddie murphy was involved in coming to america too that's true i think that's just different though because that's you're not dependent on any characters or story from the first movie here yeah that's it's true. just its own vignettes I uh, I wrote um, this is a shameless plug. I wrote a a uh, like a TV show years ago, like a script where it's about the founding fathers, but it was all present day. Like it wasn't like you didn't say it was present day, but they all wore present day clothes and they talked like present day vernacular and they met in an office in like the suburbs mm-hmm. and they met in a boardroom and would go over powerpoints and debated the Bill of Rights because of like you should send it to Mel Brooks I should him. send it to Mel Brooks I, I, I gotta get in touch with him I mean I just think this style is like underutilized yeah for sure yeah I mean I like again I like the way that they did this movie I like the the layout of it and the jokes and I just wor- I mean I worry about anything that's gonna be a sequel like that's I, get I just it. you know I hate it now one of the things that Mel Brooks did do which you know kind of tying one movie into another is uh, you know the Jews in Space song space. <laughs> Spaceballs, yeah. Is, uh, well, they tie it into Spaceballs and you can kind of have a, a, you know, they are in the same universe, but the song, We're Jews, Jews in Space, is Men in Tights. We're men, we're men in tights. From uh, Men in Tights. So he recycled that song for that, for that next movie. Uh, The last thing I want to say is, so Orson Welles narrates this. Take two. Ah, the French champagne. Obviously, iconic voice, iconic person, character. So Mel Brooks took a look at how many lines he, he wrote for Orson Welles. And he said, okay, I'm going to assume that I'm going to need him for this many hours uh, to record. So then he talks to Orson Welles and convinces him to do it and says, you know, like, hey, instead of paying you, you know, the, for the hourly rate, I'm just going to pay you $25,000 up front thinking, all right, I'm going to save a little bit of money on this because he's going to go in and he's going to have to record and he's going to re-record and whatever. Orson Welles goes in half a day or a day, nails it, flawless, <laughs> first take, done. That's hilarious. And Mel Brooks is kicking himself because he goes, I could have paid you $5,000, but I paid you $25,000. Instead, So he says, like, what are you going to spend it on? And he's like, Basically, like cigars and booze. Ah, the French champagne. He makes he makes the movie great too. That's an yeah. underrated feature. I mean, there's a lot of and there's also a lot of like cameos in this movie mm-hmm. too, right? B. Arthur is one of them. I mean, there's 
there are a bunch of like uncredited cameos that just kind of appear here and there in the in the movie and because um, it's a Mel Brooks movie and it's at its peak like and you want to be you want to be in a Mel Brooks movie absolutely like, yeah I want to be in a Mel Brooks movie I want to be the next Mel Brooks movie cast member and here's why I should be a contender I Mel Brooks yeah Mel Brooks call me I you know so we both need to get in touch with Mel Brooks Mel yeah. if you're watching um, send a DM if you if you know how you to can do slide that. into the DM yeah. that's I, I trust he knows how to slide into a DM. He seems to fit. He seems, for somebody his age, he's, I mean, he's working on a, a Hulu series right now. Yeah. He's, he's with it. Do you know what the score is for this movie? I'm, I, I'm like, more lost on this one than um, I think it's, look, I, I think most Mel Brooks movies are going to live, generally speaking, with the exception, of course, of Blazing Saddles, which was, like, pushing eight. Yeah, well, um, all-time great comedy. But, but that's right, it's because it's an all-time great. I feel like most Mel Brooks comedies lie somewhere in the seven, like in the like upper sixes, lower sevens. I'm gonna go sex number. Six, six nine. nine. That's what I was, I was gonna go double six nine, double sex. Six eight. All right, that's fine, that's fine. <laughs> there you go, History of the World Part One. If you haven't watched it, you can learn something. Yeah.